0: and wisdom to point them to Him. I'm your host, Bethany Kimsey. Welcome back to The Kitchen Table. I am so excited that you are joining me in a conversation with Hilary Ferrer. She is the founder and author of several books that we're going to be talking about today, but also really about a whole ministry called Mama Bear Apologetics. Um, and the two books we're gonna be talking about today are Mama Bear Apologetics. Um, and then the second one is Mama Bear Apologetics, a guide to sexuality. Hillary, thank you for joining me today. I appreciate you being here with us and I can't wait for us what we're gonna talk about. Absolutely. For, before we get much further, before we even start in the conversation about the books, I really wanted to share why I wanted to talk to you today. <laughs> I have, as a mom of eight, I have over the years watched the landscape change in my motherhood. So when my first little ones were growing up, that was 24 and 22 years ago now. Oh, well, they, I did not feel the same pressure that I now feel culturally to know what I know And to stand in what i believe and i believe that's probably the basis behind your books but i would love for you to share a little bit about why you started writing these books
1: yeah so we we actually didn't intend to start off with books (laughs) when we first uh, (laughs) became a ministry we thought we were going to do some podcasts and maybe some blogs but um the books came about when a publisher reached out and asked if we'd be interested in a book and so i knew what i wanted to do was i didn't want to write a book that had already been written and so uh, I went and I looked at what was available for parents, and a lot of them are amazing resources. Um, where they're, but they're specific questions and answers. And so you'll see this, like I highly recommend Natasha Crane's series on uh, talking with your kids about God and with about Jesus. Uh, her series on that. But what I did at one point is I took a lot of these questions that I saw, just kind of filtering around the the blogosphere with different people. And I wrote them on a board and I said, what were the uh, undergirding ideologies that were causing these questions? So it's mm-hmm. like it, to even have this question, you have to have already bought into an ideology that is not from a biblical worldview. And so we, um, I said, how can we address those so that you can put your kids on the foundation to where the question doesn't even make as much sense anymore if you're coming from a biblical biblical worldview? And I knew I wanted it to be a group project. I wanted to have a lot of different moms' voices. So I just gathered some of the ladies that had been kind of doing stuff with us and uh, had been contributing to Mama Bear Apologetics. And the the six of us met and, you know, kind of divvied up the chapters and uh, uh, we read each of our chapters. Uh, Some of them were tag team with two or sometimes three Mm -hmm. people. It, while everybody was saying, "Well, what about this? What about that?" You know, just to make sure it could be as clear as possible, and it's kind of almost an anthology of thought of of how we got where we are, and uh, so that's it. And, I, and I've heard from that perspective, it, people don't immediately think it's practical, but we have so many practical tips, and there, especially through the roar section that we have at the end of each
0: chapter, I wanted to talk about that really briefly because. For me, that was, that's been like, so I read Mama Bear Apologetics when it came out a couple years ago. I have now subsequently reread it because I find myself in a different space of life only in the last two years where I think Mm -hmm. so much has changed for me that I'm like, oh, wait, I have got to get on better footing here. And it may be, I think part of that is because as my kids are aging, so now I have, um six out of the eight are somewhere between middle school and college and then two are young adults so mm-hmm. it's it's like I'm having more of the um upper thinkers yeah <laughs> you mm-hmm. know the people who are actually you're having the adult
1: conversations them. with them that you're seeing the fruits of what culture has been saying and then listening to it coming from their mouths <laughs>
0: yes And so to be able, I love your roar. I would love for you to break it down really briefly for the listener, because for me, it's actually now something that I'm like, okay, stop and just think through these steps before you react, before you just blast them with something, just stop and think through. So tell us the roar.
1: Oh, that makes me so happy to hear that you do that. (laughs) So the roar method stands for recognize the message, offer discernment, argue for a healthier approach and reinforce through discussion discipleship and prayer so the recognize the message section is like you know well you know to use the buzz phrase it's the judgment-free zone we're just saying what is the message what are they what is the claim what are the truth claims that are being put into like either this ideology or this movie or music or podcast or um sermon, whatever it is, what is the message that they're trying to get across? Mm -hmm. The offer discernment, I think a lot of times people want to come in with guns blasting instead of offering. (laughs) (laughs) And so in offer discernment, um, it's actually kind of a two-part thing because what you have to do first is we always need to recognize what good is in there because you will rarely see lies that just are blatant lies. Most of the time they're wrapped in something else that makes them palatable to people. Otherwise, people wouldn't swallow them. Um, and so it could be good intentions, it could be partial truths. Like you look at stuff like the Me Too movement, um, there is a lot of truth going on in that movement in terms of um, recognizing abuse that's done to women. Um, actually, not as much of the Me Too movement, but feminism, modern feminism yeah. right now, which I think accompanies some of the Me Too, recognizing very real truths, you know, like things that have been done to women but maybe the solutions to these problems mm-hmm. aren't exactly, it, it, that's where the lie sleep sneaks in is the solution. So, um, so yeah, we are, we're doing both of those steps so we can make sure that we're affirming the good that someone's putting forth, because what's going to happen is if if you don't acknowledge that, they're going to think they don't understand me. I need
0: to yell louder, <laughs> which I, is what we see happening. And I think that's so true because especially as I've Before we get into the A and the R, as I've interacted with my older kids, the times that I have been unwilling Mm -hmm. because I find what it is so, so, so clearly wrong, so clearly Mm -hmm. (laughs) off the mark when I'm unwilling to say, well, that part of it is valid Mm -hmm. or that is a truth hidden inside of it when I'm un- unwilling to at least say that, then I lose actually the ability to have a good conversation in that yes. moment.
1: And that is what we're trying to do is, you know, cause someone could even have a poison berry cake, but you have to say, wow, that's a beautiful cake. It looks like you spent a lot of time making that. <laughs> right. And I like the awesome, the, the icy, mm, that's great but I don't think I can take part in this cake because see these berries. I think I know where you got them and these berries are poison and I can't even have any of this because of those poison berries. But I just want to acknowledge how much time you put into this, you know, (laughs) good job. Uh, So it's like, there's ways that I think we can stand arm in arm with people that we miss out on because we're so focused on -hmm. that little poison berry there. But when it comes to ideology, it's, it's like, yes that will poison the whole ideology but we still need to say anyway well i guess this gets us to the r so offer discernment is you find what you can agree on look for the truths and then you're going to say what lies has slipped in and now this is when we're going to go for argue for a healthier approach now we're going to say hey remember those truths that we stood arm in arm on and that we agreed on and we both said were important um, important issues or important motives or good intentions This is how the Bible actually says to solve that problem. The Bible's already addressed this and it addresses it in a way longer lasting way. Mm -hmm. So we recognize, we both agree on the problem, but the solution is different. Can we talk about the differences between these two solutions? And now they don't feel like they need to keep yelling for you to recognize the problem because you've already recognized it. You've already granted it. It's, The more things that you can grant that you can agree on, the more they're going to be willing to listen when you're trying to say it's this small part over here that I don't agree with. And then to finally reinforce the discussion, discipleship and prayer, what we did is with every one of these ideologies, we call them the the isms chapter or the isms chapters. We've got all these naturalism (laughs) and uh, emotionalism, postmodernism, all these things is how can we have discussions with our kids? What are some practical examples of postmodernism or emotionalism, like what can we affirm with with um, emotions, let's talk about emotions, let's learn how to identify emotions, Uh, discussion discipleship kind of teaching them how to walk through these um, ideologies. And then we recognize that the, our war is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers um, of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. And so, sometimes you're dealing, especially with ideologies, you're actually de- dealing with just some real dark spirits that are there. And so, you pray. Th- uh, spiritual problems need to be addressed in a spiritual way. And so, if we're not addressing this battle on our knees, we've only done half of we've only done half of the work.
0: Yes which I found to be so, so important. And I loved the, I loved the prayer, the the pause at the end. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought that was, like you said, it is the most important. And I think that so often for me, I will read a book like this and I'll be like charged up. Oh yeah. But I am, it is hard for me if I don't bring it inside of a posture of Lord, this is, this is spiritual and Mm -hmm. this is a battle and it's not a one-time thing. And I actually need to continually be praying and asking for your eyes and asking to see and asking to be able to speak well into this. I'm also need to be praying, God, let this be heard by my Mm -hmm. child. Yeah. Because I know I can attest to the fact that we've had times where things are, I mean, like, and honestly, I've, I've said it, I've said it great. Like I've said it, according to your book, I've, I've done, I've done all the things I'm putting air quotes around that. (laughs) I've done all the right things. Yeah. And yet that child will be locked into a lie Mm -hmm. and only it's only prayer. It's, it's so me doing all the things doesn't unlock that lie. It is asking and coming before the God who is in charge of that child's soul and pleading on their behalf and interceding and watching God begin to move, you know, which for one of my kids took years. Yeah. It's the
1: difference like, um, bad, bad ideas can be helped by better ideas. But a hard heart, that's where you have to take uh, and ask the Lord for softening of the heart or spiritual blindness where they literally Mm -hmm. just can't see what it is you're trying to point out. That is something only the Lord can do. And so it's like some people like they do have eyes to see, but they really think this idea is better because no one has ever explained to them the, the far reaching consequences of this idea. They've never really thought through where this idea leads. And so when you talk through them, that's like this ah, aha moment. But then there's, like you said, the other ones where, um, there's a, there's a spiritual blindness, there's a refusal to see, and there's a hardening of the heart. And those are different issues and they both have to be addressed.
0: Yeah, I did. I loved in your first book, just walking us through all the isms because, Mm -hmm. I mean, I personally, in my background, I've homeschooled kids. We had kids in school. Mm-hmm. Then we, when we made a certain move and we decided to homeschool. And so really quickly, it was like, um, baptism by fire. I had to learn how to teach kids stuff. And so I began to be exposed inside of the homeschool curriculum I was choosing and using began to be exposed to, um, making logical arguments. It was not something I'd ever learned. In my, I mean, I went to public high school, great university, highly educated, never really learned about making a logical argument. Yeah. Um, never really was exposed to understanding naturalism or postmodernism. I had heard all those terms, but
1: mm-hmm. they kind of
0: swam in my brain. And I was like, I don't think I've just got curious.
1: What did, you, what did you major in? I was pre med. So you, you would have been steeped in it. And it's like, it's like a frog in one.
0: Fish was like, What's water like? Tell me what water's like. And you're like, You're in it. <laughs> well, and that's what reading your book helped me go, wait a minute. This is and 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 because I am a science mind mm-hmm. in my head, I have a lot of naturalism that is my bias. I guess yeah. it would be my natural bias. And this is kind of going on a rabbit trail a little bit, but it's true, and this will expose it. Maybe, maybe somebody's listening. So in my spiritual walk, my bias would tell me that this is going to go deep fast. Um, My bias will tell <laughs> like me deep here. My bias will tell me that, therefore, in terms of spiritual realm activity, mm-hmm. I probably treated for for a while the enemy and all of his forces, all of his activity. Like, uh, I mean, yeah, I guess. I mean, I'm not sure. You know, kind of. I don't really see how you can prove that. So I don't really know how we can really talk definitively about that. It's totally mm-hmm. naturalism. <laughs> and Are you saying the way that the enemy can
1: affect our natural bodies? Is that what you're trying to say? You wondering yes. how many people you treated where this was? Yeah. Yes,
0: mm-hmm. yes. And then over the last few years, God has really been carving on my heart, then reading your book a few years ago, I was like, oh wow, that's a lot of how I think. Mm -hmm. And then allowing God to work and move on me. You know, praying those prayers, we sometimes we say, oh, we're praying those prayers around our kids, but you know, it was me. I was having to go, wait, this is for me too. That just because I can't put it in a beaker and test it, Mm -hmm. or just because I can't see it out in the open which is, I guess, that materialism inside of the naturalism. I'm not sure. I get a little bit confused mm-hmm. on all yeah. those isms.
1: Yeah, the, the, the naturalism is technically a, a materialist naturalism, which we say in the beginning of the chapter, but that's yeah. a mouthful. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so anyway, for me, it's been, um, you know, understanding these to, it helps me see where I've just grown up in it mm-hmm. and was unaware So therefore it's just kind of lightly woven all through my motherhood of what I say, even to my kids. Yeah. It's been a real change in my perspective. So I appreciate, I appreciate that a lot. And, and what I love about each of your chapters for the person listening is not only do you just identify the ism, Mm -hmm. but you actually identify. So this is, this is truth. This is how we move from this to the truth. Like I think in that chapter you actually wrote that nature is simply the crayon that God controls. Is that what you, Did you write that? <laughs> I think
1: yeah. I give an example of uh, like teaching that? your kids the difference between uh between something that was designed and something that wasn't and I think I used the crayon analogy in
0: there. <laughs> yeah. And I thought that was great. Like I've used that word picture with my kids now. Mm-hmm. of you know what do we see outside and how beautiful is it and where is it coming from like well, who is it sourced in yeah um, and so i was just wondering one question i have for you about those before we move on to your second book which one was the hardest maybe to write or to wrap <laughs> <laughs> oh let's
1: see um so there's two in particular that I think of, like the ones that I, I'm so glad that Elisa took the chapters that she did. She did the new spirituality and progressive mm-hmm. Christianity. And I'll tell you this because one of the things we discovered as we were doing our podcast, as at the very beginning, when we started the podcast, we call it there's there's certain topics that fight back. Mm and where that spirit of confusion is just rampant. And I will tell you, there's a reason why feminism has three authors on it. <laughs> uh, cause uh, the, the, girl mm. who was originally doing it, uh, was just struggling and, and she came back and she's, I was like, here, let me see if I can help. And I started working on it. And it's like, every time I worked on it, my mind would get fuzzy and it was like, Oh my. And then I, I kind of called her at one point. I said, God, it's like this, this, Hayes topic is fighting back. And she's like, yes, that's exactly what I felt. And, and so I would say that one was kind of hard, but then the other one, I was trying to get someone else to write it. And so I had to do so much research. The Marxism chapter wasn't even on the docket at first to put in there um, until basically we saw how interwoven it was with the emotionalism and with feminism and and progressive Christianity. And Mm -hmm. I was like, oh, good grief. We're not going to be able to avoid this. And so I contacted a, a professor that I knew that, um, has worked with ratio Christie and organization. I think that we were umbrellaed under at the time. And she was actually running for the mayor of Nashville. So she's like, I'm a little, little, busy. you know, <laughs> but yeah, a little busy right now. So I was like, okay, well, I'm going to put my girl, big girl panties on and then like <laughs> push forward and try to make this happen. So I had to immerse myself in Marxist literature for a while. And, um, just to be able to wrap my head around it. And I'm really glad I was forced to do that. But, uh, you know, like the, the naturalism chapter, that's my background. You know, I have a master's in biology. And so my challenge on that one was to get things in this uh, simple terms to where not just a biologist is going to understand, but anybody can. Um, mm-hmm. Marxism, it's like I had to wrap my brain around an entire ideology, which now that I do, I see it everywhere. everywhere. Like this really is the pervading paradigm of everything that ever, all of reality can be explained in terms of who's oppressed and who's the oppressor. Like that is literally what our entire culture is saying. Right. So um, I would say those were some of the hardest ones.
0: (laughs) Yes. Oh, wow. I can see that. And I love the way in your book, the other word picture that I thought was really powerful in that book was the concept of chewing and spitting and teaching our children that. Can you explain that a little bit?
1: Yes. So chewing and spitting is this idea, um, that, uh, you know, all ideas are going to have a mixture of truth and lies. And some, sometimes mm-hmm. you just, you take what's good and you spit out the rest. Now I would say that when it's, when it comes to spiritual things, it's only a discerning person that can really do this. Well, there's a, mm-hmm. there's a reason why people kind of want to make things all safe or all dangerous. And instead of talking about bad ideas, what they'll say is people's names. Oh, it's this teacher. It's that teacher. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're going to put them off in the dangerous category. We're going to put them off on the, Mm -hmm. and granted there are some that are just straight up heretical and you shouldn't read anything by them. But, um, but there's sometimes where it's like, you can even get something good from them, even if, you know, 90% is wrong. But for people who aren't discerning, Even if something is 1% wrong and 99% right, that can actually go in and just start growing through their minds. So anyway, the concepts of chewing and spitting is getting your kids to understand that we do not live in a black and white world, that they're going to hear things that are true, even if it's coming from a secular source, and they can hear things that are false Even if it's coming from a pastor, I mean, you'd be shocked at some of the things, you know, traveling around and hearing stuff from the pulpit, things that I've heard from pastors that I'm like, that's not true. That is absolutely (laughs) not true. So it's just being able to not go in autopilot. I think a lot of times we kind of plan things around if we can go into autopilot or not. Mm-hmm. and not have to think about the ideas that are coming at us and being going on autopilot has never been the plan for the Christian. Yeah. And so chew and spit is just, uh, figure out what good you can get spit out the rest. That doesn't mean that you go out and find the nastiest nasty that you can find and be like, what good can I find from it? That's, that's the, sometimes people accuse me of saying that, and I'm not saying go and, you know, find yourself the really hardcore R movie and see if there's anything in there you can affirm. I'm, I'm not saying that, but right. At the same time, if you find yourself in a situation where you're reading a book and you discover, hmm, some of this stuff isn't right, make sure you know how to, uh, I like how Lisa says it, tell the difference between right and almost right.
0: Mm, Yeah, which is really, is paramount. And Mm -hmm. especially in this new, this new culture of the last, you know, I don't know. I I don't know if you would say it. I would say, I feel like a change happened somewhere around 10 or I don't know. Maybe time folds on me as a mom. I don't know. I'd but say ten- probably
1: around 2015, at least in the sexual realm, 2015 with the okay. Obergefell decision. I think that um, people were screaming about a sleep- slippery slope and nobody listened. And over the, you know, we're, we're not even ten years out, and we've seen us diving down all the way. And even people who yeah. had been calling the, uh, you know, conservative Christians crazy for saying all the things that were going to happen from the slippery slope are now finally saying.
0: Maybe they had a, maybe they had a point. <laughs> yeah.
1: Maybe that's not. Well, that, a
0: and that's reason. about, that's about what I, I have to think I mark time by my kids. So in my head, I was yeah. like, it was somewhere around when this child was a baby that I feel like my husband looked at me and got, went, you know, how things are changing. And, you know, now we kind of look at each other and say, you know, 15 years ago, we would have never said that we are where we are. And uh-huh. that's why. Your second book, I think for a mom is a must that this book it's called mama bear, but it's called guide to sexuality. And you walk through the core concept that is being sold to us as a worldview mm-hmm. and as, you know, in essence, a religion. Yeah. And the way that the enemy is just redefining identity Yeah. in order to you know, I mean, it impacts, it impacts every part in, in my children. Now my teenagers now Mm -hmm. all know, interact with, talk with, I mean, like all the things, children really in the, in the deep throes of this lie. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you want to share a little bit about what made you start to write this book. I mean, did you always (laughs) know you were going to write this book?
1: Uh, no, I did not know. In fact, I kept turning it down. The publisher kept asking me to write it mm. <laughs> and I had to be dragged into this book, kicking and screaming, honestly. And in fact, if you look at the acknowledge- acknowledgements at the end, I say this book is the epitome of what it means for me to conquer fear mm. that there is I had stayed away from the topic of sexuality purposely on mama bear, because this one was so convoluted that there's so much, you know, There's so much emotion wrapped up into it, so much anger that's wrapped up in it, so much, um, you know, people's identity that is wrapped up in it. It's like, you can't just disagree with me. You're telling me that I shouldn't exist is the kind of attitude if you say anything um, against it. And so I was kind of had my heels dug in saying that I was not going to write this. And through a series of circumstances the Lord kind of tricked me into it Uh, (laughs) and just from circumstances going on in the world um, that I said yes. And then the whole time after I said, why did I say yes to this? (laughs) (laughs) Um, And so I'm embarrassed to say that, but I'm really glad that I was forced, you know, it's kind of like the Marxism chapter. I'm really glad that I was forced to do this because I think there was a lot of fear that I had because I couldn't wrap my brain around something like for me to, to, to conquer fear means I cannot understand something. And this can work for good or for evil, the idea that if I can mm-hmm. understand it, that I can control yeah. it, which is absolutely not true. There's still things you can't control yeah. uh, or even if you understand them. But, um, but I would say that's, that's kind of where my brain naturally goes since a kid, uh, since I was a kid, just trying to understand everything. And so I, my husband told me, he's like, if I'd known they'd asked you and you'd said, no, I would have been like, woman, do it. You know, <laughs> just teasing, <laughs> like he would talked to me like that, but like, uh, he would have told yeah. me, yeah, I think God's calling you to do this. Uh, Yeah, so that's the story behind that. But I'm I'm really glad that I did because I I think if I was this afraid and if I had this much fear, I know for a fact other people do. And so if I can, the word empower for both of these books, like I can't even tell you how long we went round and round and round and round and round about Mm -hmm. subtitles for the first book. It wasn't until we got empowering your kids to challenge cultural lives that I thought mm, there's something there. And I think, and we, we use that same phrase for the second book, which was empowering your kids to understand and live out God's design, that that is the word that I think that I've heard just back from so many parents that that is how they feel after reading this. It's not like they feel like they just had all this stuff dumped on them and now they don't know what to do with it. And they kind of feel crushed by all the information but that it's presented in such a way that they do literally feel empowered to now go have these conversations with their kids. Mm-hmm. And to me, that is just the absolute best feedback in the world mm-hmm. when someone feels fired up and like they are capable of doing this, um, of having the tough conversations reg- uh, regarding sex like that to me is just the best
0: news in the world. I definitely feel that way. Now, I will have to say that with your second book, I tend to pull the book out as I'm having the conversation. <laughs> I don't have it all. There's locked a couple of chapters in, in there
1: that people feel a little slogged down by, but uh,
0: <laughs> I don't have yeah. it all locked up in here, but I do feel very empowered and very much like, and, and you say it in the first book too, but I think even just saying number one, it's, it's okay. Like hearing what, again, it goes back to that roar concept, hearing mm-hmm. what they have to say and allowing mm-hmm. time for listening And allowing time for thinking and allowing time even to go, let's look at this together. Like, I don't need to jump in with the right answer. Like, we can learn this together is very encouraging to me. I also loved you talk about laying out logical arguments.
1: Yes, yes, that's chapter four. The difference between logical arguments and emotional arguments.
0: And that is, so again, I'm a public school girl from the, I'm going to show my age here in the eighties and nineties. And and I didn't, I I didn't learn it. Now I don't, I don't know if it was taught in my high school. I never had to take it. So therefore I didn't.
1: Yeah. I don't know many schools that do. And, and, And the fact, I don't even know many grad schools that do. And the thing that makes me the most sad is I don't know any seminaries that do. Oh, wow. Now I will say that's
0: concerning, I will say inside of my homeschooling of some of my kids, we have learned the logic. It was, it's probably something that people say, oh, if you homeschool your kids, you're going to redeem some of your education. And I will say that that's been true for me.
1: Do y'all use a classical model? We do. Okay. Classical models very much into learning the, the, the logic and argumentation. Yes.
0: So right now our kids are inside of like a hybrid. So, Mm -hmm. but, but I have learned some of this, but to read it and to read it put into the context of sexual identity, like actually the way you set that up helped me so much. Oh, good. Because I think it's hard for me, and it may only be me, but I think a lot of women to go, oh, so this, this is how this breaks down. You know, this is the statement. This is therefore the
1: These are the premises. This is the conclusion. I see how this naturally follows from that.
0: Yes. And I need that really to be discerning Mm -hmm. and to teach to my kids. I mean, to me, that's been something I've pulled out and said, let's look at this because now they learn it and they really learn it. They're engaging that material a lot, but it has helped our conversation to say, so therefore what you just told me about this and it's something you're walking through with a friend or it's what they believe, or it's what they're thinking. How does it lay out inside of this was.
1: Yeah. Ask them, Hey, draw the argument that you think that they're making that they they have ideas that they think are true. And then they have a conclusion that they think is true. What are those ideas that they're banking that true conclusion on help them figure it out? How do I parse this out and actually identify the different, because if all you do is argue about the conclusions And instead of the premises, you're never going to actually persuade anybody and you're never actually going to help them think better about it. You have to look at the premises that they are already agreeing are true in order to kind of make, break a little ground of seeing, Hey, maybe this isn't a true
0: conclusion. Yes. Yes. And I thought that that was, I mean, the second book for me is right where my kids are. Mm. I have been stunned by how the enemy, how Satan wants to attack our kids identity. Yeah. And the way that he chooses to erode it is kind of bold now. You know, it's in our face. It's
1: pretty blatant. (laughs) Yeah. It's not as hidden as it used to
0: be. No. And it is an attack that it's the attack. I know it's the attack of the age, but as a mom, trying to learn how to come alongside is challenging. Yeah. I thought even in the end of that book, you give these... Things to make your kids repeat until they things
1: to repeat to your kids until they want to gag. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I know I'm saying it right. I was trying to I was trying to
0: look because I was like, okay, I know she okay. said it so well and I am gonna blow this. But it's true. Mm-hmm. I found those actually I was laughing a little bit as I was reading it and I was glad to, you know, you kind of have you as you've come through this book. It almost was a lightness at the end of the book after. You need a humor at the end of
1: this.
0: (laughs) Yes, but I mean, so important. I have a lot of moms who talk to me, who come to me and say, how are you talking to your kids about dating? And how are you talking to them about sexuality? Mm -hmm. I have pointed them to this book because the truths that you talk about are so important. But even that little saying at the end of, you know, uh, what you do with your body matters. Mm -hmm. And then that God get, and so therefore leading into, and God gave you your body to take care of it, but that it is Mm -hmm. not, I love your delineation there that it, it's not a, it's not. It's not a gift.
1: It's something that we steward. Yeah. Right. It's, I'm I'm even reading a book right now that keeps talking about how our bodies are a gift. I'm like, "Mm, a gift implies ownership. And it says multiple times, you are not your own, for you were bought with a price. And if if someone is going to have ownership, it's the wife has ownership of her husband's body and the husband has ownership of his wife's body. At no point is it ours. We are stewards. I would say that if we were going to take this back, like, what is our. What is our relationship with our body? It's more like the, the stewards with the talents, you know, the, the, the parable of the talents of we use our bodies to invest. How are we investing in our bodies? How are we using our bodies to invest in the kingdom? And so if we're doing things with our bodies that are not investing in the kingdom, then we are not stewarding our bodies well. And so like with, with, with gift language, kids have seen gifts be given, uh, they've seen gifts be thrown away and they've seen gifts be re-gifted. And so like, uh, if you don't think they don't notice that, they do. Mm, uh, so I like to true. just bring in this this concept of stewardship because I think so much of scripture is about the concept of stewardship.
0: Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah and we've talked we've talked to our kids. I think a, a word, I like that. I think a word picture that we've used consistently with our older ones, I need to think it through a little bit, make sure it's exactly the way I want it to be painted. But as we really say, you know, you know, um, that's when you say banner of
1: grace, I might say this incorrectly, but give me the banner of grace. Here. That's right. That's right. That's
0: right. That's right. Because there's been many, many, many things that I have messed up over the years. And God goes, I promise I'm a redeeming God. Aww, you yeah. know, I'm walking with you and growing you up right now. So you may not know mm-hmm. it, but we'll redeem and we'll walk through um, and humility, as you go back to a child and go, yeah, I messed that one up. Yep. But um, <laughs> one thing that we say with our kids who are getting into that dating space and they're wanting to, they like somebody and they're old enough to date in our home and, and all that's for a different conversation. But is we really trying to have the conversation with them that more than likely, this is not your person. Mm-hmm. This is somebody that you're getting to know that you'll like, but they're not your person. Yeah. And so, You are, until you are married, you are not theirs and they are not yours. They belong to, you know, the, that girl belongs to her father until he gives her away at her wedding. Mm -hmm. And That boy, you know, he, he belongs to his family. He is his family's and he is ultimately God's. And that girl is ultimately God's.
1: Or you say like, how are you treating them as if they're someone's future spouse?
0: And that's what we say is we usually say the way you engage with this other person needs to be that you can confidently be the one to walk them down the aisle to the person they are to marry and say I treated him well. I mm-hmm. treated her well I guarded them for you yeah and if you inter- can interact like that 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 should color the way you interact yeah um in a in a culture that thinks that's crazy.
1: yeah we live in a very disposable culture that uh, you use and you dispose. And you don't think about where it goes after that.
0: Yeah. Oh, Hillary, I appreciate your time here. I will have in the show notes, a link to both of your books and to your ministry website. You are a wealth of wisdom and encouragement. I think if I can say one thing about these books, these books are not written in a way that makes me or other moms feel like, oh gosh, I'm the biggest mess up. Instead, they're very empowering. I think the choice of that word comes through in, on every page of the books that you empower us um, to walk in a way with the Lord that is rooted in truth. And I appreciate your time and your energy in that. And thank you for being with us here today. I appreciate it.
1: Absolutely. Thank you for having the conversation.
0: I hope you enjoyed this episode of When God Breaks Through. If you're wanting to connect with me and with other moms walking in the same messy moments, head over to bethanykimsey.com. That's where you'll also find the show notes with any links, as well as more resources you can grab to help you see that when God breaks through, when we see Jesus at work, the fuzzy intersection of real life mothering and the gospel becomes very clearly defined. We can walk with confidence and purpose. Have a grace-filled day.